Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Zano, joined, as always, by the Joe Burrow, to my Tua Tagovailoa. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, I'm feeling accurate. I'm feeling ready. I'm feeling yeah. a little stiff to me, though. Yeah, and our very own Jordan Love. That's right. He's going to replace Aaron Rodgers. It's Eric Ronebeck. Eric, how you doing? I'm great. I'm a man of controversy uh, when there is no controversy, and I'm just happy <laughs> to get this paycheck. Just fabricated controversy. Yeah. You're just ready to learn behind one of the greatest of all time and uh, then take over for him and become the greatest of all time, correct? History repeats itself, man. Try and you succeed. Hey, uh, big ups to Nathan for not screwing up to his name because I'm not going to try and say it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I uh, definitely uh, watched college football this year, so I've heard it a bunch of times. It's not not any uh, anything special. I so, like the uh, super emphatic college football announcers. They'd be like... To a tongue of Iloa, going nuts with it. Yeah, so uh, there's two big Seahawks stories this week. Uh, let's start with the one that is. Uh, what are you talking about? Sweeping over the internet, the uh, Quentin Dunbar. Wow. So uh, he gets accused of armed robbery. Uh, it looks really bad at first. Well, like They've Quentin got five, done nothing wrong. Five signed statements. <laughs> Twenty four hours later, all statements repealed. Uh, he's coming to turn himself in. He turns himself in. Now they have to drop the case. The prosecutor's like, "This is very suspicious that they recanted their statements." It's a, uh, it's kind of a mess, but uh, one that I greatly have enjoyed watching from the sidelines, from going from uh, making fun of him because that morning he gave his team press conference and said he just wanted to feel wanted which is just a layup joke you know now you're, wa- <laughs> you're want you're wanted now you know it's yeah. just like a it's like a just the easiest layup john stockton assist right to me so i love that and then um just it was just a crazy crazy week of following this story um let me just start with this eric this offseason quentin dunbar was easily the biggest move the seahawks made getting a guy who ranked very highly in pff's cornerback rating to kind of shore up a uh, aspect of our defense that i think we were a little nervous about second cornerback behind shaquille griffin yeah. uh so when we when when this breaks and he is gonna we're thinking oh man he's gonna be gone now what did that do for your like overall thought about the seahawks offseason uh i kind of i went like probably eight out of 10 Brits uh, on that. I was pretty upset. Uh, I, your comments on it were pretty, you could really read your mood on it in the, in the discord. It was, was it was yeah. like very, very much disappointed, very seriously moving on is you, you took a very, uh, a very professional boss way of handling it, handling it. Like your emotions were in check, but you showed obvious disappointment. Nathan wasn't mad. He was just disappointed. Was just I disappointed. was just kind of disgusted. I was like, it's, yeah, that's, it's just perfect so, way to describe it. so stupid. This whole thing. Um, and you know, like I, I know these card games are apparently they're playing a dice game, but these card games with rich people uh, and on team planes and stuff can get pretty testy. We see on we've seen it in the past the Gilbert Arena situation and stuff like that, where these guys can go way over the line because uh, they don't want to pay up on a gambling debt or something like that happens. And I was just like, man, why did this have to happen again to one of our dudes who? I had watched the press conference that morning and thought, this guy seems hungry. He seems ready. He seems like he wants to go out and get a 10 plus million dollar cornerback contract. I love it. And then I went straight into like, wow, okay, cool, dude. You did that. You did that interview when you you had this that had happened. Like, wow. Awesome. Yeah. And also we've, t- we've spoken about it for years about how you build your, your defense from the front back, you build the pressure, you build the auxiliary pressure 
the blitzing, and then your secondary. And in, I don't know, I'd say in the last year and a half, it's been like, oh, shore up that secondary and build it from the back forward. And the Seahawks yeah. have, I think, only adopted that because they, they're they not getting their their edge rusher, their defensive uh, tackle pressure that they wanted to this offseason. So it's kind of turned into this, wow, our secondary looks like 10 out of 10. This happens, and instantly everything we didn't do just kind of compounded the issue. Like, oh, okay, so we don't have Jadavian Clowney. We don't have Everson Griffin. We don't have that washing machine, the, that Cortez Kennedy, or like half Cortez that can just, you know, get in there. At deep Sam tackles. Uh, yeah, Sam Adams. Yeah, I'll take I'll take Sam Adams with the stomach flu right now. Uh, <laughs> and and now we lost like our possibly number one corner when we already had it. Like it was just this perfect situation. Now it looks like we can go back to worrying about Jadavian Clowney now. We'll see. Uh, I don't really trust. I don't I don't want to go like full social commentary. I feel like the the law in Florida is something I never want to mess with. Because uh, you're you're guilty no matter what, and they're uh, very they're very strict too. Like they are the, very strict. The minimum sentencing for the crime that he did was like six, six years, I think, or five years or something. Yeah, it's, that's it's kind of like a Plaxico Burris situation. Uh, so yeah, literally, kind of he's fortunate that this has worked out in his favor. I mean, I have no idea what happened. To be honest with you, those guys could have made that up. You know what I mean? Like it is very unclear what has happened in this situation. And I don't think we'll ever get clarity because like the reports are saying that they're, they're looking for a smoking gun video. They want something. I don't know why they're so motivated. I mean, if all these people are recanting, who cares? Right. That's, that's what's bothersome right there. Well, it, I think the whole thing was when the story first started coming out, there was that initial just quick blip of armed robbery. And uh, I remember the article included the getaway vehicles and all of our reaction was cool. If you pull up everything they sound like they stole, they could buy half of one of the getaway vehicles. Yeah, the, this the doesn't cars, make any sense. The cars are all like two hundred thousand dollar cars. It's like what? Why would they? Yeah. So <laughs> then, as more and more details started to leak, we're sitting there talking in the Discord, going, "This is making less sense as we get more information. Either the information we're getting isn't going to end up being accurate, or it's going to come out like." Basically, things went sideways, and I think the whole thing we were hoping for was that at the end of the day, we were going to think that he put himself in a dumb situation and then ended up with a really bad outcome from it. And then it was just a matter of how much was this going to follow him. Now that we've gotten about a week behind it, it looks like the answer was he got himself in a really dumb situation. He did not realize what was going on, which matches his mood in that uh, press conference the following morning because I don't think you talk that way if you knew that was hanging over your head. Correct. And yeah. now it looks like it's not really going to be able to follow him. I think that um, I'll go out on a limb a little bit. It seems like they are looking to hang something on a star right now. That's definitely the way that it feels in this situation. Yeah, the way that they but added, again, I don't know. The way that they added both the teams so they could kind of dunk on the players. That is, was a is little a, cheesy. A little, it's a, that little was, tacky. A little bad look. It's a bad that, look That for felt sure. like an attack. Um, okay, so we look at this. Uh, as we move past it, it seems like it's all going to work out to be fine. Quentin Dunbar will be our starting left cornerback. I'm not really worried about that. Uh, should be 
should be good to go to start the season. We go back into pass rusher watch. Are we going to get Jadavion Clowney? Are we going to get uh, Mike Daniels? Are we going to get Snacks Harrison? What, what, or are we going to get someone who's going to get cut? I think I have an idea right here, though. The Seahawks are trying to make sure that they stay out of cap hell because the cap could go down with the way that things are shaking out with COVID and stuff. So if they, so I think, think they want a one year deal, they're forward looking here. They're looking forward and they're not. If you look at our cap table situation, we could be supremely positioned as one of the very few teams who has a decent amount of money in a situation in a, in a cap goes down kind of world where other teams might be totally hosed and having to cut really good players and just put them on the street to get back under the cap. So because of that, I actually really, I don't mind if they are, are pay, stay patient, get guys on one-year deals, make our run this year, and then next offseason when the cap goes down by $10 million, just just pounce and be super aggressive because we have all the bank. That, that, that's fine with me. So I'm, I'm, not a, like, I'm not totally averse to that, and I think they are looking a little bit forward uh, into next year. One last thing, Eric, I want to go back to a point you made. You said that teams are starting to build from the back, and we saw this with the Patriots. I think the Patriots were on the cutting edge of this. They built their secondary. They have built their defense secondary first, and they started just cycling through pass rushers as opposed to – like Chandler Jones was the start of this for them. You might say the Seahawks did the same thing too when we started up with the LOB. Yeah, we could say that, but I think that that was kind of a perfect storm where like every (laughs) position on the defense was a position of strength. Uh, I didn't – I think that Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill got criminally underrated constantly and they should be, they are, they deserve as much credit for that era as any of the other guys. I mean, Earl Thomas is like his peak play was the best play I've ever seen out of any safety ever. So maybe they weren't that good, but they were very, very good still. But to Kevin's point, I think that it's, it's easy to say you build the front four first because in a world where you don't have, a ton of good secondary players out there. I mean, let's face it, five years ago, there was there was the elite and there was everyone else. And now you're seeing, you know, number one corners in the league. They're not to like the Daryl Darrell Rivas, Richard Sherman level, but they're all they're all like that next tier down and there's a lot more of them. So I feel like that is now uh, something that you don't need to worry about building that front four to to make pressure come from the inside. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and what I was going to say was that, yes, I do know what you're saying. And I what I was going to say is that there's there's a, a market inefficiency here where you you could not get a top corner making, I think he's making $3.5 million this year for a fifth-round pick. You could not get the equivalent top defensive end making $3.5 million this year for a fifth-round pick. That's not happening. Yeah, not so, remotely. So because of that, they are, I think they did a good job identifying their weak point in the market and saying like, hey, here's a guy who's a ascendant corner, could be a, re- a legitimate number one corner. We can get him for at least a year, three and a half million, only a fifth round pick. Let's got to go. We got to go do that. Because like, what's the equivalent defensive end player on a contract year like that is ascendant in a player like that? Like that, that player, like let's say it's Marcus Davenport. You can't get Marcus Davenport for two firsts. You know what I mean? There's, there's not happening. So the the cornerback market has a uh, has has a little bit of a market inefficiency, I think. And if you can get value there, and then it makes your pass rush better, then that's a, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, I'd say you're probably talking about the the cornerback equivalent of like maybe a Daniil Hunter, as far as like where they rank within the league at what they do. Um, yeah, sure like that rank below a lead or maybe needs to prove it for a season or two. And so picking up like, again, do you think you could get Daniel Hunter 
for less than five million a year? No way. Do you or, pick or, him up for a fifth round pick? Yeah, that's you're the, dreaming. Right. <laughs> like you'd have to give up multiple firsts to get an ascendant defensive end. And that's just not the case right here with the cornerback. And I think that's why they did it this way instead of doing it the way that I think most fans want. Um, we still need to sign a defensive tackle before the season starts. That is like an absolute must. I do not understand this four-man defensive tackle rotation we have, but we'll cover that more as we head into the uh, the preseason. Second big story this week, Seahawks Twitter tore itself apart, guys. <laughs> you, had to be, you had to be in one of two camps. You had to decide, are you team Pete is a dinosaur and he doesn't do anything right, or team uh, Pete Carroll is the reason we went to the Super Bowl. And there was no room for nuance or any in-between thinking because it's Twitter. You only have, you know, 200 characters or whatever. They doubled it. So I think it's 280 now. Uh, you only have 280 characters to make your point. So you have to be – you can't put any kind of thought into it. You just have to be reactionary and extreme. And maybe you could put a graph up or something like that, like a picture. But you can't you can't take any time for like a nuanced stance. So, Kevin – My pal Pete Bean Carroll <laughs> – Sorry, <laughs> Kevin. Kevin, where do you where do you stand on the uh, the the whole that whole debate of like Pete Carroll's a dinosaur, Russell Wilson's the only reason we win, uh, that whole debate coming back again? It comes back every off season. I feel like yeah, Kano los dos. I'm gonna let you go first this time. What what do you think? Uh, firm firm team Kano los dos. Uh, Pete Carroll is a dinosaur, and he also is the reason we made it to the Super Bowl. Like those yeah. those are not mutually exclusive things. Um, the, the, it's really just a rerun of the story that we got the first three seasons that he was here, that whole, he's going to do it his way because that's why he felt like he got chased out of the NFL the first time. This is the continuation of that. Well, when he does it his own way and it works, then he's a genius. And when he does it his own way and it doesn't get us where we think we need to be, then he's a dinosaur and an idiot. That's what happens when the head coach of an NFL team. And that's, what's always going to happen with the head coach of an NFL team. So would I like to see him over the next couple of years transition to maybe like a president role and us bring in somebody who can kind of modernize the team a little bit more? Yeah, that would be nice. But am I ready to chase him out of town? No, because I don't think that there's any guarantee that what we'd end up with is going to be an upgrade. I don't think that he is such an outdated coach that his style doesn't work because his style is to, um, get his players wanting to play for him and to try and get the most out of a really talented group. And that's a style that doesn't really die, but I would have loved it if we'd have gotten maybe a young innovative OC when we got Schottenheimer instead. Yeah. I think the Schottenheimer hire is kind of, kind of the real mistake. Pete needed to bring in someone who would modernize his offense because the problem isn't the deep Pete's defense is good and other teams copied it. Pete Carroll changed the way teams draft cornerbacks. Before Pete Carroll, you know, if you were like a long kind of slower cornerback, that guy's a safety conversion project. He's never going to play cornerback in the NFL. Well, now those guys are getting drafted to play cornerback, right? Because Pete Carroll changed the way that other people evaluate that talent. He, yeah, box he safety. Mo- box safety. Box safety is another mm-hmm. position where like we made that position super cool. It was it was in it was around, you know, people would play robbers or box safeties before, but not on every play. Now there are teams that play box safety on every single play, and it's because of Cam Chancellor. Cam Chancellor made it so that you could you could go, hey, we need to find a big, fast guy who can really hit and cover and run and help in the run game, but is t- it's technically a safety, right? It's a, we're playing a safety in this kind of slot or uh, you know fourth linebacker. Uh, it's like a different role, right? The robber role. It's just a new role, and that's that's kind of Pete. Pete did that. 
Pete did that. And I think the defense ideas he has on defense are great. I'm all about that. I'm all about Pete's defense. I like the the Leo. I like the way he 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 changed the four three front. I think that's a that's a good thing he came back with a good twist on the old uh, Tampa two cover two that he was kind of brought up on um, the cover one with the three high. Like he's done a lot of good things. I think a lot of scheme scheme wise, he's really done a good job with the defense. The offense is the problem. Um, his his uh, close game decision making is a low key kind of problem. Time and management. So, and so he needs. He needed someone to come in and modernize and be the offense and be aggressive on first down. Now, here's the thing I think is going to happen. Okay. And it does see if you follow Russell Wilson on Twitter, it does seem this way. I think Russ is starting to throw his weight around a little bit in that offensive room. And this team might look a little different in the first half offensively. This team is, I think, going to come out and like really look to punch other teams in the mouth, throwing the ball, moving the ball, playing up tempo. And if you look at their offseason moves, look at the guys that they got. All of these guys are are athletic. Athletic offensive linemen, athletic linebackers. Like we got, we wanted to get athletic. We wanted to get fast. And this this team is going to be able to play up tempo if they want to on offense. And so that's that's kind of what I see is that the moves kind of hint towards maybe he's going to lose dinosaur offense status. Now if he comes out and he runs the ball forty times a game again, I'm going to lose my mind because that is the problem is that he gives this instruction to his OC, run the ball a million times, and uh, it's very annoying. So, yeah. So yeah. for us, if, if we move towards rust cooking and, and that, that moves in that direction and everything I see, there's hints, you know, there's hints out there. I'm optimistic that he can do that. Um, otherwise, he's not holding himself accountable the way he holds the players accountable. He says you got to compete and he's not competing on the offensive side of the football. He's only competing on the defensive side. On offense, he is actively hurting his team and it is very frustrating. So I get the frustration. That being said, obviously I'm somewhere in the middle because he is part of the reason we went to Super Bowl. His defense ruled. Uh, Eric, you got any thoughts on this? Like both of you guys said, the the answer is in the middle. Everything Kevin said is where I'm at. Everything you said is where I'm optimistic. The problem I have right now with Pete is, and this could just be a poker face to the media, his we're going to be fine approach to everything. It's like, you, you know you only signed four offensive linemen what are you going to do for your fifth offensive lineman? No, uh, we, you know, we got some, we got some plans. It's okay. We're not going to, we're not going to sign anyone. Um, it's, it's frustrating because right now we're looking for players. There's players out there and we want to know when they're coming and he's being tight lipped about it. But if we don't sign anyone, he's going to be like, I'm, I'm really happy with the guys we have going forward. Kind of like Christian Michael was his uh, number one guy on the draft board. It's the roster equivalent of the old injury joke we had. You know, if, uh, <laughs> If Abraham Lincoln was on Pete Carroll's team, he'd be like, he's got a head thing. Yeah, we're, we're, we're looking at it. <laughs> and no. you know, we always talk about that. If it's if you've got a blank thing, you're like, oh, okay, he's going to be out six games or he's going to be the best player next week. Or but, he's dead. But Eric, have you have you seen Christian Michael's spark score? Uh, No, I have not. It is so good. Wow. That's he's, why they that's why they drafted him. I, I don't know. We should probably put him <laughs> a defensive end. Wait, he's, he's bursty. Very bursty. Uh, Actually, right. if you if you saw his weight towards the end of his play career, defensive end would have made sense. <laughs> so <laughs> exactly. So now we're gonna go on. We are you astute listeners might have noticed that when we did our draft previews, we did every position except one. We did not do quarterbacks, and there's a reason for that. Um, one, the Seahawks aren't gonna draft a quarterback very uh, aggressively because they have a, a, you know, not young, but they have a relatively young quarterback who is a, the best quarterback in the league. So you don't you don't generally pursue the heir apparent this early in his career unless you're at, at Philadelphia. So the um, 
So our quarterback C- can stay healthy, though. That's a difference. The C, yeah, that's and true. he's actually elite. Yeah, also true. So the the <laughs> um, the Seahawks did, of course, didn't do it. Also, I think that it helps a lot to contextualize quarterbacks specifically with where they landed because the situation matters a lot, especially at this position. How are they going to get a shot? What their kind of trajectory is? You know, if uh, um. We'll, we'll talk about it when we get to them, but there's certain guys who, you know, they're on the career backup track and there's certain guys who are on a track to actually do something. So let's, we'll talk about the difference between those guys. And we have a special guest today, uh, a guy who uh, we tasked with, uh, you know, researching all these quarterbacks and figuring out who they are. So Brett Hancock is here. Brett, how you doing? I mean, I was good. And then you stole the, you stole my opportunity to be on a Pete Carroll hot take segment. So I'm just, no, I that's I, I told you I'd give you a shot to answer this because I knew you'd want to. Yeah. Can, okay. Yeah, is, uh, old, old coach bad or uh, <laughs> or rough? The word, I mean, I don't know. You guys pretty much nailed it. His, I feel like his game management has gotten slightly better the last two years, and it's a shame that it took Brian Schottenheimer to be the one that took his offensive like plan from absolute horrible baked dog shit on the side of the ground to like a fresh loaf that you can like easily pick up. And it's like that, that like, that's the biggest shame, but it's like, I mean, whatever, like he'll get two or three more years. It's fine. He's a somewhat likable person. Getting, a, really getting, white rid, of, getting rid of Tom Cable was a big step in the right direction. It was. I'm not All like right. so scarred from Tom Cable that I can't like Pete Carroll for another two years. So, okay. So let's start with a uh, QB number one round pick first pick Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals, Joe Sif Burrow. Um, this might, I'm going to start with Eric because I'm going to give him a shot on the ones that he's got a, had a chance to actually watch. So Eric, yeah, Joe Burrow, LSU. What did you, you, you do? You watch the national championship game? Do you see him a couple yeah, plays? Yeah, I did. Um, what, what I mean, Joe Burrow was the consensus number one pick for a reason. Uh, I think the Bengals did a very good job here. That's my take on Joe Burrow. I I like Joe Burrow's arm. I like his accuracy enough. But if anything has taught me. If college football to the NFL taught me anything, even the surefire can't miss guys, have the ability to suck, and then somehow turn it around, Ryan Tannehill, Teddy Bridgewater. Um, it all depends on the team fit. It looks like the Bengals are going in a uh, the Bengals are going in a direction. Yeah, uh, they, they have I'll, something going on. What's that? They have stuff stuff, stuff going on. They're I'll, they're I'll working. Bro seems like he's a smart guy. He's not um Sorry to throw shade at Baker Mayfield, but he's not Baker Mayfield. He's not a guy <laughs> who's being crowned the number one guy who's making changes and showing leadership by calling people out. Um, Joe Burrow just seems to be a guy who's riding this wave, wants to win, and we'll see. That's my take on Joe Burrow. All right, Ke- Kevin, see, I know you love Joe, uh, love Joe, or at least have watched him a lot. What do you think? Uh, I think Joe makes a lot of sense as a immediate starting NFL quarterback. I think his arm strength is average to slightly above average. He's not going to be like one of those crazy big arm guys, but he can like, as let's say he makes all the throws, he can make throws on like outward breaking routes um, with enough like juice on it that it's not going to get picked. Um, I think the big thing with him is his timing and anticipation are plus. There's a lot of tape of him throwing a guy open, leading a receiver or, throwing to the spot in the zone where he knows his guy is going to be. Uh, He's athletic enough in the pocket. He's pretty solid on scrambles. As a runner, I'd compare him to Andrew Luck. 
He's not a guy who's going to like break out for a thousand yards, but he's a guy where if you disrespect his legs, he will pick up a first down on you. Yeah, he takes stupid sacks where he should have thrown it away, though. That's something that he does that really irritates me. That's a um, problem. And the other thing is he doesn't deal with pressure up the middle very well. Uh, all right, Brett, Joseph Burrow, what do you think? He does like everything pretty well, some stuff really well. Um, I think his like biggest sin is that he's just boring, I guess, after watching like the Russell Wilsons and Cam Newtons of the world, you know, and uh, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I mean, like Kevin said, he's, you know, He's fine. He's got some wheels. He can definitely throw the ball around. So, you know, I think his like floor is really high, um, but I don't think his ceiling is like as high as, you know, the best four quarterbacks in the league. Right. So it's kind of like you can definitely build a team with him, but, you know, he's not going to he's not going to be in that, you know, uh, yeah, I don't think it will ever be a Patrick Mahomes. A Russell so you're Wilson. giving him a Matt Ryan review? Absolutely. Yeah, that was oh my goal. Was gonna I'm going to go low. I'm going to go lower than that, actually, worse than Matt Ryan. Um, So here's the thing. Uh, This quarterback reminds me of another quarterback prospect that uh, we scouted a couple years ago, okay? Um, One, he needs to be put into the right scheme to be successful. Now, Cincinnati admittedly is like the best possible landing spot for that. They have a great young offensive coach and really good weapons all over that team that he can work with. He works really good in the middle of the field and deep. Okay, so those are the two areas that he throws the best. He works throws really good over the middle of the field and deep. He he has more struggles intermediate intermediate routes, um, and he plays out of the shotgun all the time. Kevin, I'm not Wentz? talking about Carson Wentz, but that is what this reminds me of. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. when I when I watch him, I'm like, this is a guy who plays in the shotgun, throws really good in the middle of the field, hits great deep balls, but some for some reason on these like five yard throws, just sometimes they just don't go where you expect them to go, and. I think in the NFL, those are going to be some somewhat unavailable to him sometimes. Like he's just not going to be able to make those those outside throws. And um, I like him. I think if I could draft Carson Wentz and know that I'm not getting Carson Wentz, I would draft Carson Wentz. That's fine for the Bengals. There's no problem with that. It's well, just especially that if you get Carson Wentz, who's healthy for a whole season. The the ceiling of Carson Wentz to me is never best quarterback in the league. Joe Burrow is probably a perennial Pro Bowler, which is good. You got if you get a if you told me, hey, you can get a perennial Pro Bowl quarterback, uh, you take it. You just take it and you try to build around it. But that I think that the ceiling for Joe Burrow is lower than some of the other even some of the other quarterbacks in this class. So to me, that's that's my uh, that's my Joe Burrow thoughts. There you yeah, go. It's kind of odd that the four quarterbacks that I named, none of you know, which were a top 10 pick, I believe. So yeah, it's like, maybe that's why I have this huge disconnect with him for some reason. Yeah. But yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there as well. All right. The next quarterback. Uh, so one thing that happened here was the Dolphins and the Chargers, there's rumors. They're going to trade up to three. They're going to trade up to four. And I kind of didn't buy it because I just couldn't see any reason that the teams ahead of Miami would want to get a quarterback. And I didn't see a reason the Chargers would want to give up crazy draft capital when their offense kind of has a lot of holes on it. It's not like their whole offense was complete. So I didn't buy it. And you know what? Lo and behold, Miami and Chargers uh, held Pat. I cashed a $25 bet on, on second quarterback taken over under four and a half. And so, uh, yeah, I think that that was that's a that's a um, that's it's, it didn't surprise me at all. So Dolphins stood Pat. They get their guy. I think they wanted to attack They I think they would have given up the farm to get Burrow because he's just so much safer than, than Tua. But Tua comes in. Um, here's the thing. There's not a grand history of left-handed quarterbacks. Uh, the last one we had really was, was Vic, right? That, um, there's not been a 
really good left-handed quarterback. And then before Vic, you know, it's like Steve Young. Brunel, I guess, was in there too. But there's just not a great history of left-handed quarterbacks. So, Eric, once again, give me a shot on the ones that you've uh, you've seen. What do you think about uh, Tua Tagovailoa? I think you, you summed it up when you said uh, Joe Burrow's safe because of his ability. But also, I mean, Tua's shown uh, some, some acumen, obviously, but his injury history and recent injury history would make me so nervous picking that high. I would try so hard to pick out of that or trade out of that spot because if if you get Tua and he's awesome, one, good for you, but two, do you realize like the chances of this happening, like Tua having like a really good rookie year or I think being really good in his first three years, I think the chances for that are low. I think the chance of risk of injury of any sort of huge speed bump or derailment for Tua is very high. So if I were the Dolphins, I would have loved to have traded up to get Burrow, which they tried, couldn't do, or somehow traded down to just be like, you know, we just had so many pieces. We really would have loved to have got Tua, but we had to settle for, you know, Aaron Rodgers in two years. I don't know. Uh, I'm not I'm not that big into Tua. I'll say that. All right, Kevin. Uh so Tua, I think something that made him kind of hard to evaluate is that he had a crazy elite wide receiver core that gave yep. him these genuinely stupid windows that he was throwing to where like receivers were just nuts open. But that being said, he was accurate to spots on the receiver's body. He had good touch, especially on his deep passes. He needs to develop anticipation, and he needs to develop an ability to throw the receiver open in coverage because he just didn't really have to do that a whole lot, and that was something that he struggled with. He often waited for the receiver to become uncovered rather than throwing it, understanding what was about to happen. Uh, he's mobile. He has really good arm strength. There's no question about like, dude has a pretty, has a pretty good cannon, but my biggest concern is he He played college ball for three seasons and he got dinged for three seasons. Like dude can't stay healthy. His delivery is kind of odd too. the way he delivers the football, which makes it, um, sometimes I feel like the throw doesn't go you know you like when you see Patrick Mahomes throw really hard or um who's another guy who throws really hard Matt Stafford sure Matt Stafford and then when you see Tua throw it kind of there's a little more lob on the ball not that that's bad because he puts it in a, such a good spot that it doesn't matter all right Brett Tua Tagovailoa what do you think it was tank for Tua not no for Joe that's all you need to know <laughs> No, I think like I think he would have been the consensus number one. I agree with everything you guys said. I think he's that athleticism is definitely a plus. Uh, his arm strength is definitely a plus all over the field. I mean, I don't know when the last time anyone was on like a you know like uh, like a like a pro football field was like with the hash marks and stuff. But like a ten yard out is really far from the center of the field. So it's like kind of wild, you know, like when you see these guys who like make that throw and you're like, why does it look like the ball sailing? It's because it's it's pretty far. Right. And I, mean, I just think he's really good. But yeah, the health, it's a shame because it's like, you know, what if like what if we're robbed of the next great NFL quarterback because of, you know, the Bo Jackson hip injury? So I'm going to push back on you on one thing. Yeah, you went you made the comment that you thought Tua would be the consensus number one if it wasn't for the injury. I disagree. I think. Joe Burrow, you are drafting 
what his median score is going to be. Tua, you're drafting what his high score is going to be, but his bust potential is also a lot higher. I think that would have been a big debate. I don't yeah. think if I do think if Tua didn't get hurt last year, that I think he probably would have been the number one pick. But it's uh, it's close because Joe Burrow did play himself into the conversation. I think Kevin's right. He played yeah, himself. Joe Burrow definitely played himself up, and then Tua, even without injury, probably would have been vetted down slightly because I mean his athleticism is like popping, like compared to pretty much every quarterback on this list, right? So yeah, I mean I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know like die on the hill for the consensus part. But yeah, I think, I think they were both so, in the conversation, but Burrow so definitely. Sorry, I think my, uh, my two, a thing is that he's good at really good against zone. Like if he's, if you're asking him to throw into windows, uh, hit guys and defeat zone defense, he's really good when it's man and you have to throw a guy open or uh force, uh, he really relied. I don't know if this is because he had such good wide receivers or if, but he really relied on his receivers to make the play as opposed to like making a great throw. Um, he's so accurate uh, with his throws. His big weakness is reading the defense. And I, I had a trouble because like I tried to pigeonhole all these guys into one comparison, but I think that really, if he learns how to read a defense really well, he's Drew Brees uh, in terms of like his accuracy, his poise, the way he can kind of play in a million different offenses. Drew Brees is slow now, but he hasn't always been slow. <laughs> and, then, and then so Drew, Drew Brees is my comp- comparison. And he's six foot, just like Drew Brees. But the thing is, if he doesn't learn how to read defenses and keeps um, kind of struggling with this anticipatory, anticipatory throws and stuff like that, he might end up being more like Jared Goff, where like you think like Jared Goff can make all the throws, but boy, howdy, does he suck at like reading the defense in this. He needs the the coach to do it for him before the play starts. Right. Uh, so that's my, uh, that's my two, take is that there, there's really hard to just peg him as like one or the other. I think he's really scheme diverse though. The dolphins don't have to build an offense around him. They can put any talent around him and let, let him cook and he'll be good at, he'll be good at RPOs. He'll be good at spread. He'd be good in a pro style offense. He'd be good at running play action. He's really good at play action. Um, maybe like my favorite thing that he does. So, um, yeah, he's so te- everything is so technically proficient with the way he plays the position. I just like it a lot. All I'm right, I'm kind of curious on Kevin's thoughts. Like, do you think his athleticism and running is good enough to like elevate him to that style of quarterback, or is it just a plus for you know a good passer? I think he is a athletic enough runner for a passing quarterback. I don't think that he's like some like great next level runner. Right. I just yeah. think that he, I just think his legs are enough to offer him a little extra on his game. He mm-hmm. ran a he ran a four nine forty. He was like right. He was like fiftieth percentile in his in his high school mm-hmm. class. He wasn't he wasn't like a crazy athlete. He's bursty though. He has great vertical power. His spark score is pretty good. It's not like or like if you need to run it in from good. the five yard line. Like he can, he can take off from the five yard line. The big thing is you have to respect his arm so much that he like, can do a little extra with his legs. Another like yeah. downside comparison I didn't hate. I wrote down was Jameis Winston. Although I don't think he's going to throw 30 picks. He's not that yeah. stupid. I had like, that was before the glass. So you're saying post LASIK. <laughs> post LASIK Jameis. Exactly. Post LASIK Jameis can see clearly now the, the rain is gone. I think he could be like a better Dak Prescott. Like, honestly, I oh, mean, sure. Yeah, yeah, Prescott is fine. That's kind of right. who I had in that vein. 
but that uh, depends on what you think about Dak. So yeah, Eric, I, but I, I think I, again you're overselling his running ability a little bit. I think there's kind of a natural tendency to do that um, with what we saw at Alabama. He's in the NFL. He's not going to be a big time runner. I wouldn't think. I'd be very surprised about that. Um. All right. The uh, Eric, are we at the point here where it's it's uh, see you at movie club? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Being frank. Absolutely. But, right, so. but if I, if I have something funny or any, any point that may or may not happen, I'll be sure to include it. All right, here we go. So this will be a little faster now. Justin Herbert was picked sixth overall by the Los Angeles chargers to come in and back up Tyrod Taylor and learn, I think get a little extra seasoning, which is smart. Um, I'll go first this time since uh, I've gone last. And I think that that's uh, always going last is a little unfair. Um, I like that Justin, Justin Herbert. Uh, if you just looked at, throwing it's really great um he really like has like this uh ability to to hide the ball on play action which is something i looked for more this year because i think nfl offenses are going to run a million play action plays in the coming years um but he he misses throws that he shouldn't he's inconsistent uh really inconsistent and uh better athlete than i expect so since he's a good thrower who's inconsistent and is a better athlete than I think, got to go with Josh Allen as my comparison here because I think Justin Herbert could be very effective, more effective than I give him credit for, but I hate him just like Josh Allen. So I'm sure that um, Justin Herbert's going to make me feel dumb in a year just like stupid Josh Allen does because Josh Allen, I still think he's not good, but he, because he's so good at running, he's done a lot more. And jo- Justin Herbert is a surprising athlete and I, I hate it. And now I'm just going to, I just want to get on that corner early. All right, uh, Brett, what do you think, Justin Herbert? I think I'm like still in the middle and kind of similar to you. I think he's a good athlete, not great, but I don't know. Yeah, he's, I know that Kevin's going to bring up my take about Herbert. It's just a tough spot, right? Because like you want to, like, is he that much better than Jordan Love? Probably, but like. Couldn't get any takers to come down from what was it, the seventh pick guys, you know, it's like, it's tough, but like, or six, but like just as a player, I think he's, he's good. Um, he definitely has arm talent. Um, and then it goes and then it goes and sits on the sideline and you're just like, Oh man, what, like, like what happened? And I also think he's definitely a, you know, a one read, a one read and huck it kind of guy, which is discouraging. Um, but yeah, he's, he's got a live arm. He can throw it around. But, you know, Oregon's the worst, so I will never root for the guy ever. Kevin. All right. So I'll just go ahead and read my scouting report because it's that kind of a take. Uh, Arm talent is undeniable. Dude has an absolute cannon. He's a much better runner than you would think with good mobility in and out of the pocket. But he only ever ran on teams that disrespected his running ability. Timing, touch, anticipation, and decision making are all major concerns. He asks a lot from his receivers to get open and to make tough catches. So that's the basic take that I have. Like he's more athletic, I think, but I think the problem with a Josh Allen comp is I don't think he's quite as athletic as Josh Allen. He's also kind of too big to be shifty. So this is more like, I guess, as Josh Allen is to Cam Newton, so is Justin Herbert to Josh Allen. So he's that next step down from there. And I openly question how much that'll play because that's more like 
he's a Mitchell Trubisky level runner, and I think he might be a Mitchell Trubisky level accuracy too. <sighs> so my comp for Justin Herbert is if Mitchell Trubisky had a bionic arm. Okay. Or, or a coach who would actually know how to use him. Got him. Okay. Uh, I really feel like Mitchell Trubisky is in the worst possible situation for him. The NFL. It's, yes. Just, just a coach that because <laughs> he, because Mr. Risky doesn't, I don't think Mr. Trubisky sucks. I think he's, we he's, differ then. Yeah. I think you're going to have to hold that one. Nate. He's um he, but he needs you to build the offense around the things that he can do. Not because there's a lot what of things. He, there's a lot of things he can't do. And uh, his, his coach is, steadfast in that like this is the offense i want to run and it's like that's the quarterback you drafted to run this offense you are capital d dumb like you should assign kaepernick or you know what i mean or like done or any nfl quarterback done something different yeah it's a, i don't know mitch needed to like back up somebody for two years and learn the nuances of the position like it's just it, it that whole thing is baffling to me that was the um, thing though people said it was because he was more of a finished product coming out of um, the offense he didn't Duke. He was supposed to be like kind of ready to go. Or sorry, yeah, North Carolina. Sorry, he's supposed to be kind of more ready to go, and he was not. Sorry, um, I, I got my I got my scouting of him and the other draft Daniel, pick I didn't Daniel like Dimes. many times. He didn't know um, what a hard count was. How how finished could he? Oh my been? god! Seriously, that's that, because he's soft. Um, okay. <laughs> anyway, jo- next up, Jordan Love drafted surprisingly. Packers trade up ahead of the Seahawks to get Jordan Love the quarterback out of Utah state. So uh, Kevin, I'll let you go first this time. Jordan love. What do you think? Uh, Jordan love is uh, if you watch his 2018 tape, then you can see what got him drafted. And you watch his 2019 tape. You open the question, sanity question, the sanity of the Packers front office. Um, he's got a big windup, but he's gets through it pretty quickly. So it doesn't seem like much of a problem above average arm talent. He's pretty mobile, though injuries have been a bit of a problem for him. He's good when the play breaks down and he flashes touch and timing, but he's super inconsistent. Way too many uh, back foot throws, way too many like weird dropped arm angles, way too much trying to do everything and doing it poorly. Um, Lots of really bad interceptions on tape. He can read the field, but then sometimes he just straight up locks in and stares down a receiver. Um, he's incredibly inconsistent and that's honestly kind of scary, but because you know, he's going to sit for a couple of seasons, I could see him coming out of this pretty good. I think this was an ideal situation for him to go to. Yeah. This is, so this is the same thing I said, Kevin is that this is like the perfect landing spot. And that's like why I wanted to do it this way. Cause if Jordan love was on the chargers, I'd be like, or the dolphins, this is terrible. He's going to get thrown in way too soon. There's no way this guy's playing for two years. It's just not happening. He's going to appear in zero games unless the Packers are unless up Aaron Rodgers just walks like a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> so so Jordan Love is in great shape to sit back, learn how to refine his knowledge of the position. He's a really good athlete. And Kevin, that one staring down one guy thing is something I really noticed. That's why my comparison is Colin Kaepernick. Um, I think that Jordan Love reminds me of Kaepernick in the way that he just looks at one dude and but somehow like still it totally works because when he's on, he can make a ton of plays is a real and can be really good player. A really or good just coach time freaking throws. A really good coach is going to get a lot out of Jordan Love. Uh, the same way Harbaugh got a lot out of Colin Kaepernick, and a bad coach is going to uh would drive him into the ground. He would be nothing. So yep, Jordan Love, there you go. All right. Right, Jordan Love. 
I must have watched the best Jordan Love game without realizing it. Because, yeah, I only saw a little bit of that kind of what the hell happened play. Yeah, I mean, I share your thoughts. I think he's patient, you know, like he doesn't, you know, he doesn't seem to have a an unnecessary sense of like urgency. But I mean, yeah, he doesn't do anything spectacularly enough of the time. And that's kind of concerning. Um, I also wonder about the talent he faced. I don't know what his schedule was like, but it didn't seem great. Uh, at the old Utah State, um, but yeah, I what? Uh, what? You, you, you're not a big you're not a big Mountain West fan. Is that what you no. talking about? <laughs> no, not so much. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think as far as landing spots go, yeah, I don't know if they can mold him into a Aaron Rodgers type, but um, you, you know, I mean, a good quarterback's a good quarterback, right? Like, um, yeah. I, I wasn't surprised that he was drafted that high. Like this was my personally kind of like, you know, like my kind of vindication pick where I was like, okay, because I thought he would definitely go at the end of the first. So I just didn't know it's, who. It's kind uh, of where very, you want. Very quick point. Uh, yeah. Your, uh, your Mountain West uh, disrespect, um, your Boise State <laughs> disrespect has been noted. Uh, go Broncos. Uh, I, uh, you're dead to me. Yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of the Air Force Academy personally. I'm surprised but... I was still, still alive to you. Um, okay. One thing too about uh, Jordan Love, just in in general, is yeah, you're right. He's he's got a uh, it. It doesn't matter. Never mind. Jalen Jalen Hurts, the the Eagles threw their fan base into disarray drafting Jalen Hurts, pick two, round two, pick twenty one. Um, I'll start. Okay, uh, you want? Let's just let's just cut to the chase here. Uh, he's a he wins a lot, but he doesn't do anything that I think super well, I think every, he's just good at a bunch of different things and he's, uh, he's a gamer and he's tough and he's tough and like he want he is never quits and he always wants to win. Um, I think that he would be really good in Doug Peterson's offense. I think that's a good scheme fit for him. So um, my player comparison for Jalen hurts is a smaller Vince young because <laughs> he just wins and he doesn't do anything super, super well. Um, he needs to do, he needs to work. I think what's cool about him landing as an Eagle is that he will get to play some in like gadget packages and stuff. He'll get to see the field on offense while at the same time, uh, cars backing up Carson Wentz and having a chance to start. So I, I kind of like the, the idea of uh, Jalen hurts in, in the Eagles and it gives them an out. If like what I think of Wentz is true, which is that he just doesn't have a, a ton of upside and then they can go to Jalen hurts or they can just use him like the, the saints use that uh Mormon guy. What's his name? How about Taysom Hill? <laughs> yeah, sure. That guy. All right, Kevin, uh, what do you think about Jalen hurts? Uh, so real quick, any idea how many, uh, rushing yards Jalen hurts had last season? Uh, including the bowl. Hmm. I know he can run, but I don't, I don't know if he did run. Uh, let's go with like 200, 300. 1,298. Oh, okay. That's a lot. He had over 850 rushing yards three of his four college seasons. The only one he didn't was the season he spent backing up to a tug of Um, He had 3,851 yards passing last season. Uh, al- almost close. 70% completion percentage. Uh, he averaged 5.6 yards per carry. Uh, my comp for him is Tim Tebow that can actually throw the football. Isn't that Vince Young? Uh you know, uh, <laughs> six of one, half dozen of the other. Um, so he's got he's got a 
good arm. He's got good enough arm strength to play in the NFL, but his ability to read and his ability to throw the ball with precision just isn't there. Like if you did any scouting whatsoever for the wide receivers at Oklahoma, you were frustrated with how many times they had to make big adjustments to the ball. And that was something that stood out on tape, but he was able to get it to them. Like even if the dude was standing 35 yards downfield, he could get it to them. They just had to make an adjustment to it. And I'm not entirely sure that his accuracy will ever be enough in the NFL. But like you said, he's a power runner at 6'1", 220. He runs like a running back in that way. Um, He's highly competitive. He's got enough arm strength on it. Like, if you wanted to put your Kaepernick uh, comparison on Jalen Hurts, you could kind of put that there too. I didn't. I didn't see. I just don't know if he puts enough like plus plus throws out there. Yeah, as I say, I don't. Every once in a while, Kaepernick makes throws that are like, "Wow, that's a real NFL throw." And I, Jalen Hurts, sometimes yes, sometimes no. But I think the big thing is he's a much more powerful runner than people think. When you think of a quarterback running, you don't think about the style that Jalen Hurts runs, and that was where the Tebow comp comes for me. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not the gazelle in the open field. He's the dude no. who's like Earl Campbelling people. Yeah. All right, Brett. Nope. Um, Did we lose yeah, Brett? No, nope, there he is. <laughs> he doesn't know, guys. No, yeah, I don't know. Um, I didn't know what a comp for this one, but um, yeah, it's I don't know the 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 intense competitiveness is probably. I mean, if that's your best trait, sure, but um. Yeah, I started my my notes with having CD Lamb doesn't hurt, so it's kind of you know hard to mm-hmm. hard hard to really know. I think and even fine. even um, at Alabama, he had awesome wide receivers. Yeah, I mean it. Like it would not surprise me if he was good and you know maniacal about you know studying and training and trucking people. But it's hard to. I mean, you know, the Eagles won a Super Bowl with a with a worse quarterback for you know ten games, right? Like, I would, I would say push on Jalen Hurts and 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 Nick Foles, right? Like for what they both offer, you know, like separately. So, well, and that's yeah. something to consider with Hurts is the fact that you know Wentz is good to go down for at least three games a season. So yeah. Hurts will get some time, and they have a really good offensive coaching staff to plan around right. it. I'm definitely and not. It like, sounds like a joke, but it's not. That's literally just a fact about Carson Wentz. That yeah. RPO, <laughs> that RPO stuff they ran with Nick Foles, but Jalen Hurts instead would be real spicy. Totally, totally. And I'm not looking to Eagles fans for my takes on you know like draft strategy and position, but um, you know, I said if he was like when he's bad, he reminds me like of a Marcus Mariota who could run where it's just kind of like, it looks like things are going right, but then for some reason it just doesn't, it doesn't string, you know, two, three, five games together, but he can do a lot of nice things. Um, right. And yeah, that's that's kind of where I have him. Yeah, right. he does take it down and run it when you wish he'd throw it. Yeah, that he can be happen. kind of exciting though, which is always good. I'm not going to like root against the guy, I don't think, but um, yeah. Wait going to speed it up a little bit guys so mm-hmm. we're now to we're now out of the first two rounds i think that those are the guys who have a the best chance to be like legitimate starters so at this point you got to do it in 30 seconds or less um i'll go first every time we'll just go me brett kevin in order here we go jacob eason i'm gonna say jacob eason uh, sucks under pressure tall uh so he's brock osweiler brett i don't need 30 seconds he sucks um yeah he's he's matt castle but he can throw it that's it Kevin. Uh rocket arm, half cent head, Colts are a good landing spot because he won't be able to get exposed for a long time since he's the number three quarterback. 
Um, all right. The New York Jets picked James Morgan out of Florida International University. Um, they obviously have Sam Darnold, so this is uh, kind of a career backup thing. But I think he's a career backup that actually is kind of decent. So career backup that decent that is decent. I, I guess I have to go with Nick Foles, but he I like the way he throws. He get he had like a million drops too last year, so I think that he he's he's decent. You don't ever want him to be your starter, but if he's your backup, you're not dead, uh, Brett. Yeah, uh, he's he's definitely not half bad. I don't know if he's fourth round pick uh, decent, but um, you know, in that range, who cares? Uh, I would say he's he's a he's a Case Keenum type. If he sat behind somebody for five years and then strung together a couple good a couple good months, I would not be surprised in any way. Kevin, Jacob Eason with better straight line speed. Okay, I can dig it. Uh, Jake Fromm went to the Buffalo Bills to be their career backup behind Josh Allen. Uh, I'm here's my thing. Uh, this guy's smart. He's we're not rattled. He has all the poison. He's been a four year starter, but his physical tools suck. He's Chad Pennington. There you go, uh, Brett. Nope, Brett's gone. No, 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 no. He he processes <laughs> the game. He processes the game like Charlie Whitehurst, but without the hair or the the striking good looks. But he does have an arm. That's about it. Okay, uh, good landing spot though. Uh, I convinced the Bills drafted him for irony, so they could have the strongest and weakest arm quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure how the offense can accommodate both. Uh, he's got, we'll call it a fringe NFL arm, but his timing's decent. And if he has to come in and like. Peterman his way through a few games, he probably could. Yeah. So then the Maryville, Wash, Marysville, Washington's own Jake Luton was picked round six, pick 10 for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, actually, I think he's got decent, decent uh, tape. I didn't think it was as bad as I, I expected. Um, but I don't think that you ever want this guy to, to be your starter. So can make some good throws, but shouldn't be your starter. That's a Charlie Whitehurst. Brett. Nate, is he the best Jaguars quarterback right now? I'll Hell take no. your comments off the air. Uh, six, but he is six foot six, which means he can't be good because there's like one six foot six quarterback who's ever been successful in NFL history. That's Joe Flacco. Brett just went longtime listener, first time caller. I uh, sure okay. did. No, I just yeah. know that Nate, you know that Nate loves the stash. So, Kevin, what do you got about Jake Luton? Uh, Jake Luton, best Jake quarterback in this draft. Um, barely. Right, beat out from it's a better thrower than from for sure i can dig that yeah like i i could see him turning into like uh matt moore okay yeah i can dig it uh so the next guy you're dang it he's cole mcdonald uh cole mcdonald i think is a is like he's like a guy had a farm no he didn't have a farm but uh he can't throw deep ball but does basically everything else good so uh let's I don't really have a good NFL comp for that. A backup who can throw a good, every good short pass, but not a deep ball. Um, Cole McDonald. Know. Cole McDonald completed twenty nine under twenty nine percent of his deep deep throws last year. I wrote that down. Oh, oh, for accuracy reasons. Okay, I was about to say the yeah, dude has yeah. a howitzer. It's okay. just <laughs> yeah, he can't. He can't. Who cares how far you could throw it if you can't hit anyone? Hey, I got it. Uh, Josh Allen without running ability. Done. <laughs> He's a seventh round quarterback, Brett. Okay, all right. Yeah. That's that's pretty much what I had too. That dude has arm talent, the likes of which haven't been seen since a young Jayeth Cutler, and nothing else. 
uh okay uh yeah uh, there's the accuracy thing that i wrote down i was like okay this is bad this is harrowing uh, sorry when ben, you first said it, i thought you were implied that he could get it out there i'm like wait no, a minute like, this dude could he, throw the ball over the mountains yeah <laughs> just just it might land anywhere on the other side of the mountain you just don't including know. the third row of the stands uh ben, ben Denucci drafted by the dallas cowboys out of james madison uh pretty pretty good uh runner the ball looks good when he throws it um, but he's a career backup. So that's, um, that's Tyler Huntley. There you go. Uh, Brett. Wait, Didn't is it Tyler Huntley or Ben DiNucci? No, no, not, not Tyler Huntley. Wait, is Tyler, who's the one that we used to have that we traded from the uh, Brett, Brett, Hundley. Hundley. Brett Huntley. Brett Huntley. Huntley. I, I, I did that because I got confused because Tyler Huntley's in this draft and we're going to talk that's about correct. him in a minute. Okay. But yeah, <laughs> Brett Huntley. That's what I meant. All right, go ahead. Yes. Yes. I am Brett Huntley. No, uh, I didn't watch any, uh, I don't watch any tape of this guy. Okay. Kevin. Uh, Yeah, that's fair. Or um, who's the guy who's the on PFF now? He was the quarterback for Toledo, and then he was on the Raiders for a minute. I can't think of the guy's name. Um, Anyway, you just basically name a generic backup who came in and went one and two and looked kind of all right. That's him. Okay, you ready for this? Tommy Stevens, Mississippi State. Can't throw. Do you know what this guy is? He's drafted by the Saints. He's going to their practice squad to prepare to be the next Taysom Hill. About, I, well, he, I was about to say my comp for him is poor man's Taysom Hill. So he, he really is like, there's no way the saints don't envision him in that same exact role. Like they're like, Hey, we can stash this guy for later and then come get him when, when Taysom leaves us. Cause he's trying to make too much money. Brett, did you, did you watch any Tommy Stevens? Yeah, uh, a little bit. And I'm tired of the next Taysom Hill. He's the next Seneca Wallace who begat Taysom Hill a useful quarterback who can't throw. Sure. But this guy's huge. I know. Like he's I know. built like a I tank. Wanted, I just wanted to give my boy Seneca Wallace a couple of, you know, a couple of seconds there on the mic. Um, all right, Kevin, you got any, uh, uh Tommy Stevens thoughts? Oh, poor man, Taysom Hill. You got yeah, that, that's it. no homeless man. Taysom Hill. All right. <laughs> Nate Stanley, uh, Nate Stanley is, he could throw pretty good, but his feet are made of stone. Uh, I'm going to go with Mason Rudolph as my NFL comparison. If he ever starts, he won't embarrass himself, but he might get split over the head with a helmet. Uh, let's go with Brett. <laughs> Man, that was racist, and I love it because it was against white dudes. Uh, he's the next, like, Kyle Allen, so who cares? He sucks. Rooting, actively rooting against him. Uh, my comparison for him is Rob Johnson, who uh, went wow. from the uh, – Ja- uh, the who played for the Jaguars oh, and the Bills. Kevin, Kevin's turning into a feet. robot. Oh, uh, could not move his feet and sucked. All right, Kevin, you were a robot for a second there. I'm going to leave it in because I yeah, can my kind internet's of... Comcastic. All right, so now we're going to go to undrafted free agents. Baltimore Comcast, Ravens, not a sponsor. Baltimore Ravens picked up Tyler Huntley. I think Tyler Huntley is a nice kind of uh, samey zone, like zone read spread style quarterback, like. Uh, like Lamar Jackson, they could use to back up for a couple games if, you know, RG3 dies or something. <laughs> but they really don't need him, so he'll just live on the practice squad for now. Brett? Nothing to add. Kevin? Uh, I really liked him, and it's interesting you brought that up and that he went here because my comp for him is I think his upside would be uh, RG3 post-initial injury but pre-career ruining injury. <laughs> <laughs> between Kevin the two really bad injuries bad yeah um okay the next up is uh kevin davidson from princeton went to the browns uh 
he reminds me of that guy. I, I couldn't remember the name. Oh, Kevin Hogan from Stanford, where he's like a pro style passer who's never going to make it, but might get a couple starts. That's my Kevin Davidson comparison. Uh, Brett. Um, I would be stunned if he got a couple starts, but he could have that like annoying, aggressive incompetence, but not, I don't even know anymore, dude. He, he's like, he's like a bad quarterback with a couple of concussions. He's just not, he's just not good. Kevin. If you like quarterbacks that aren't very good against poor competition, but are also inaccurate, I've got a guy for you. Is it Riley Neal, quarterback from Vanderbilt, who's on the Broncos now? Yeah, it'd be him too. <laughs> I don't know anything about Riley Neal. So. Uh, Riley Neal is a primarily running quarterback, kind of, for Vanderbilt. Um, Riley Neal is the reason why every offensive weapon at Vanderbilt took a draft dump this year, because he just wasn't really very good. Um, he came in after... Uh, Shermer um, last year, who was like a borderline backup uh, NFL quarterback. He's the next level down. So like he's a middling XFL quarterback. Um, Brett, you, you, I'm assuming you don't know anything about this guy either. No, no, no. Oh, you got him. All right. Yeah, yeah. Vanderbilt. I think he's like, he's not out of all these guys, you know, the, the, the uh the the Nate Stanleys, the Kevin Davidson. He's like fine. I think everything you said about Kevin Davidson, I would say about Riley Neal. But uh, he also sucks. Okay, the Rams drafted Bryce Perkins, who is uh from Virginia. He's really These are good. UDFAs. Yeah, the we're in UDFAs. Sorry, yeah. UDFAs. He's a I don't understand this from a fit perspective. I don't understand how they're gonna use him unless they see him as like some kind of special teamer or a position change because he really would only work in a true like zone read RPO style offense. He, his fundamentals or uh, footwork is like all over the place. I don't really get it. So um, sure. They also picked, so we can do two, we can do two for one here. They also picked Josh love. Uh, and I think Josh love makes a lot more sense for their, for their team and what they're trying to do. And as someone who I felt like was moving up draft boards towards the end, where like teams, he might get actually drafted, but then he didn't. Um, the thing about Josh Love is, is that he doesn't move through his progressions very well, um, and then and he's also inaccurate to got to a guy that he stared down for like ten minutes, and he can't run. So if you can deal with all of that, then Josh Love's your dude. <laughs> Brett, Josh Love, and Bryce Perkins. What an amazing uh, endorsement there. Yeah, uh, the Bryce Perkins pick makes no sense for the Rams. I had him down as like a Geno Smith type where you're just like, I mean, what is this dude going to do, you know, to like to move the needle in any way? Uh, Josh Love's not not great. He's erratic. Yeah, he doesn't do much of much of the things you would you would hope. I mean, like sometimes he made some like decent timing throws, but I mean, you can't build an offense around, you know, four or five decent throws a game uh, unless you're the Rams. So. Kevin? Uh, Bryce Perkins, uh, big time runner, really good running ability, except I hate how he held the football. He held it just waiting to get stripped all day, every day. So that was kind of annoying. I agree. He's basically, uh, locked into an RPO type role. A lot of the things we said about Jalen hurts, uh, Bryce Perkins is like kind of next, like he's, he's a much more raw version of the same player. Uh, Josh love. I actually kind of like, I think that the reason why it makes a lot of sense to me here is because he shares a lot of the same strengths and weaknesses as Jared Goff. So I think with a little bit of coaching, I could see him being a pretty solid backup, being able to do 
almost everything within that system that Goff can do. All right, Brian Lewerke. Lewerke, is that how you say that? Okay, here's my thing. I watched his tape, okay? Uh, 2017, he he was actually kind of good, and then he got worse every year. Um, That's a bad sign. (laughs) So A lot uh, of that can be probably blamed on having one of the worst offensive coaching staffs in all of college football. Yeah, but he did. He he he's a lot of it can also be blamed on being a very mediocre quarterback prospect. He has um, he makes a throw every once in a while that you're like, whoa. But I this reminds me of like Drew Stanton, Connor Cook, where where he just like he can make like a good throw every once in a while that makes you think he's an NFL quarterback. But then he does like 10 things that make remind you that he's not. Uh, That's my that's my take on him. Uh, Brett, what do you got? Yeah, I actually do remember watching this guy and being like, okay, I have to write down something that he does the best, you know, like for him. And I said, not being terrible at lots of stuff, but he's like not good at anything. Yeah, he just kind of, it did, it did seem like his coaching staff had no idea what to do with him though. So they didn't even like try. Uh, the Giants went and got, oh, Kevin, did you want to say more nope, about? that was what okay, I had to say. Okay. <laughs> the Giants went and got Case Cookus out of North Arizona um northern arizona uh okay the thing that's weird about watching this guy is that he like doesn't ever leave the he will read a whole half he never turns to the other half of the field so like once you see where his eyes are you don't you can just completely ignore the other half of the field which is really weird also got injured a lot also um is tall but like rail thin uh so yeah i don't understand uh sure he can be on the Giants practice squad. That's cool. Uh, see, see in the XFL in two years case. Brett? Giants need a quarterback. There's no XFL to go to. It's got it's got to happen. That's my Danny Dimes shade of the day. <laughs> Kevin? Uh, I don't really think there's anything to say about him. All right. Reed Sinet <laughs> out of San Diego. This is like the fun part where we're like, we really stretch each other. Tam- we went to Tampa Bay. Um my thing is that this guy's this guy's tall. That's it. If you can't win the starting job for more than one year at San Diego, I don't know how you made it to the NFL. Like that is just insane to me. So good for him, man. Nice job. Proud of you, <laughs> Brett. Kevin, any thoughts? None at all. Uh, uh, he was in a. <laughs> okay, my Reed Sinet thoughts. Uh, he played against a very low level of competition. Um, he, like, he was a finance major. That's yeah. it. <laughs> All right. You ready for this? Steven Montez went to the Washington Stevie. DCs. I, I like Steven Montez is from like an athletic, uh, long as you call him Stevie athletic, <laughs> athletic uh, arm talent position. But he if you look at his tape from 2017, he was a three-year starter, 2017, 2018, 2019. He looks exactly the same all three years. There was never any progress. Um, and he went five and seven all three years. I don't know. I just don't think it's ever going to happen for him. I think that he didn't make the, he, he had plenty of opportunities to make the leap. It just never happened. So too bad. Have fun. Have fun being uh, on the Washington practice squad. Uh, Brett. He's definitely in, in that tier where where you draw the line at being like, yeah, throwing a football is hard, but you have to be able to do more than that to you know make like an NFL team in September. So yeah, he's in that tier for me. All right, Kevin. He's got a pretty live arm that he can't throw with accurately, but you know he's also not that great of a runner. 
and his footwork isn't very good. But, you know, he's also not good at pocket awareness or reading the field. Were you slipping so, into some booger, some booger impression there, Kevin? As a, let as me a put it this way. My review of him as a quarterback is he's the reason why they had a wide receiver playing quarterback a lot. Um, <laughs> so last but certainly not least, I saved it. Seattle Seahawks going to UDFA. They go and get Anthony Gordon. Anthony Gordon was a Washington State's quarterback last year. He I think he lead, he led call it the F F E S in uh, passing yards, right? Uh, no, second. He was second to Burrow, right? And then, uh, so second in yards, second in in uh, touchdowns. Um, things I like about him. Okay, he works his progressions. He he has good touch. He throws into windows. Um, he really like he will hit guys in the middle of the field in pretty tight windows, and he also will take a huge hit and just like deliver deliver um he he can make um throws as long as they're not too far um but once you start to get towards deeper into the field there those throws just kind of fade away they're they're not as good um he's not fast and one thing is that he just takes like a million sacks he needs to be decisive and either decide to throw it or throw it away a lot sooner um but you know what? That's a problem our current quarterback has. So maybe it's a good fit for Seahawks backup quarterback. I do think that he should have been drafted. So getting him a, as a UDFA is kind of a, a W and should be a solid backup for Russell Wilson. I mean, we've said this for years. If Russell Wilson goes down, there's no player that's both cheap enough and good enough to really make up for the losing the best quarterback in the league. Uh, I don't think Anthony Gordon's going to change anything about that. Another thing about him that people might not like is that he's not like super big. He's 62205 like he's kind of slight frame uh so yeah that's he's prior backup for like the next seven years so strap in boys uh that's he's all he's got to do is beat geno smith brett um yeah i actually had uh similar thoughts not very big uh pocket passer with good mechanics i mean he's a quick thinker uh i thought the seahawks would take uh kelly bryant as their project but, you know, what do I know? Um, go Cougs, now that they got rid of somebody I couldn't stand as a head coach. So that's all Kevin. I got. Kevin. Uh, I think he has middling arm strength, um, but good enough. I think somewhere in like the fifth or sixth round would have made a lot of sense for him to go drafted. Uh, he's accurate. Like sometimes he will just drop a dime, um, even on deep routes. <clears throat> Like, it kind of throwing deep, throwing over the middle, like you were talking about. Uh, at times, he can make his prog- he can get through his progressions really well. At other times, he kind of gets hung up on a receiver and can really, like, tell his throws, which can be a bit of a problem. Um, he, like what you were saying, Nathan, he will hang in there in the pocket and try and make a throw, which is both a plus and a minus, because sometimes that means taking really bad or unnecessary sacks. He's not as good at extending plays as I'd necessarily like from a athleticism standpoint. But his overall package, if he can kind of, if he can, because remember, he's a one-year starter. So there's reason to think that uh, the mental processing side will be able to improve. So I could see him being a lot like actually Tavares Jackson. Yeah. I do think there's upside with Anthony Gordon, which is something you can't say a lot about. But we... I think we basically just ragged on like 95% of the UDFA 
quarterbacks. Right. Like they were like, there's two, two or three of them. And I feel like are are worthwhile projects. And we ended up with one of them, which is a huge W. I don't know if he just wanted to live up here or if he just, you know, Pete Carroll was able to sell him on the system or actually having an opportunity to be a backup, which maybe there's not a lot of teams that maybe could have sold him on. Hey, you have a real chance to be our number two. Right. I could be misremembering us. I think he was one of the higher paid UDFAs this year, but don't, yeah. don't quote me on that. I think, yeah, I think for what that's worth. I think Huntley was one of the only guys that I would have wanted in this range as close to as much. Uh, or uh, Arizona's, I would, I think Arizona's quarterback, I thought pretty Tate. similarly about Khalil Tate, who ended up not getting drafted, correct? Or not yes. getting picked up. He's, he's still around. So I'm sure he'll find, wow. he'll find his way. But the, um, the thing for me is that all those guys, the other two guys are more running quarterbacks and Anthony Gordon is a thrower, you know, he's a thrower. So I, another maybe clue that we're pointing in towards a more of a throwing direction, just in our offense, if we're trying to get develop not develop a backup who can only run. So, um, all right, you guys, uh, ready. We got a uh, Patreon uh, and the movie club. Okay, here we go. Patreon. There are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way is to do so is head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. And for as little as $1.24 a month, get in the Discord. See uh, in our regular season when the gambling stuff's coming out. Hear our bad impressions. Do all of that. Um, we got three new patrons this month. Jacob, Brett, and RJ. Thank you guys for supporting the pod. Um, Thank you. Love to see you guys in the Discord. And uh, to all of our Patreons, let's go ahead and shout out the ones that you know give us the big bucks. That's... Carrie, Lucas, Tom, James, Timothy, Andy, Brett. There you are. Uh, Brian, Big Michelle, with all the dogs. Uh, Flocktimus, Keith, mm-hmm. Mike, Kieran, Bob, Richard. Thanks, guys, for hanging out in the Discord, chopping it up. It's been fun. Uh, it brings me great entertainment. And uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, movie Club. All right, Eric, you haven't talked in a long time. So I, I, I bet you have had tons of time to think about this. Woo. So what. I was what just is, waiting for you to throw a quarterback at me because I was going to be like, nice try, doesn't exist. Thought I didn't do the research. <laughs> um, so a uh, little little gem I found in the horror realm on Amazon Prime. Uh, I'm not going to say it's like the greatest movie, but I recommend it because it's the half-baked of horror movies. Not marijuana related, but it's only an hour and 15 minutes. It's called Don't Run. It's, uh, I would say, a very low-budget horror movie. Done. Wait, do they run? What's that? Do they run? Uh, you oh, know, sorry, Kevin, spoilers. Never mind. You're just gonna have to watch. You're gonna have to watch. <laughs> it's my pick of the week. Uh, no, it's a it's a horror movie on a budget that can be done well enough. An hour and fifteen minutes. Put it on in the background. It'll be fine. And uh, the other one I want to say is I took full advantage of Watchathon on Comcast and watched two movies, and one of them was Once a Time, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I talked about this movie a lot. Never saw it in theaters. Finally watched it. It's fine. I look forward to watching it again. That's my it's, it's fine is the correct uh, review. I could I go agree. like super If you deep really and... like feet, then it's great. But if you, don't, <laughs> oh, if you don't really like feet, then it's fine. All right. Kevin. All right. Uh, I got a long one here. I'm going to recommend a series of movies. Uh, I've been on a kind of Hong Kong martial arts movie kick for a while now uh, because they make me happy and I need things right now that make me happy. So I'm going to recommend a series of five movies to give you a whole experience and they run across the spectrum of different streaming services. The Flying Guillotine is on Netflix. Yes. 
If you follow that up with One Arm Boxer, which is on Amazon Prime, you can then watch Master of the Flying Guillotine on Vudu for free with ads. And then you can follow that up with Flying Guillotine 2, which is on Netflix. And then the final sequel to The Flying Guillotine, which is The Vengeful Beauty, which is on Amazon Prime. And if you did that, you just watched five really fun kung fu movies in a row, and you should feel better about yourself. Um, all right. Sounds awesome. I think that's a great plan. All right, Brett. You don't get to do this often. Here we go. Uh I'm ready. You don't get to do this often. Are you ready? No, because I've just been watching Letterkenny for basically uh, the last five months. Yeah, I nailed that. I took took a break for Uh, a day. Guys. I watched Firefly. Hold on, I watched Firefly for the first time, so you know I'm only like uh, 50 or 20 years uh, behind. And then oh, I've been Brett, watching. Wish you weren't so fucking awkward, bud. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this conversation's fast becoming a confrontation. Um, just watch Letter Kenny; it's great. I'm sure Eric and Kevin's selections are fine, but that's the Nathan Santo fine, which means you should not prioritize it. Did you just give a fine to Master the Flying Guillotine? Yeah, bro, that's... I did. Actually, I, th- I think one arm. I think the the one arm boxer, boxer is like just as good, but doesn't because it was never like anyone's holy grail. All right, I'm gonna suggest a comedy special. You ready for this? Jimmy O. Jimmy O. Yang from uh from uh, from Silicon Valley, very funny. He performed at the Neptune in Seattle. It's uh, Jimmy O. Yang. It's called Good Deal. It's on Amazon Prime, and it's really funny. Uh. His his interactions with his parents and stuff just cracked me up. I loved it. Um, so that guy's on uh, an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, and he's he's also going to be in the upcoming Netflix show Space Force, which I'm hmm. very excited about. That show looks really good. All right. So, uh, anything else before we go, guys? This is a long. It's a long one. You guys, Thanks we got for having on. me on. No, we're you good. too. You too can get a guest spot on the podcast if you. Let your payment lapse uh, three times in four years, and uh, you know, then go up to uh, then go up to a higher tier from the podcast that you abandoned uh, four years prior. So I'm, I'm gonna pretend big. like I'm gonna pretend like that made I'm gonna pretend like that that rant made sense. All right, for Kevin, for Eric, we will see you guys next week. Go Hawks! Just like to point out, one more person, twenty five percent longer podcast. <laughs>